On February 24th, Russia began an invasion of the country of Ukraine in a major escalation of a previous conflict between the two nations that began in 2014. The conflict is the largest conventional military attack in Europe since World War II. Early estimates are of at least 13,000 deaths, 2.1 million people displaced, 1,700 destroyed buildings, and $10 billion of damage to the country of Ukraine. And it's just getting started. But why? What exactly does Russia want with Ukraine? And how does this conflict affect the Ukrainian people? More than anything, what can we do as Christians to help? Welcome, everybody, to the Beers and Bible Podcast. My name is Josh. I am joined by my good friend Gabe, and this is episode 50. Wow. That's amazing that we're 50 episodes. We're, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary of a, of a I know. podcast, aren't we? Yeah, that's crazy. It feels like 10 years. I mean, it feels like <laughs> 10 minutes. I guess it was Passover 2020, like around that time. I remember when the pandemic yep. was happening and shutting down and... Yeah. yeah, man. It's crazy. We both were like, you want to start a podcast? Kind of bored. And so we started a podcast. And then <laughs> two years later, here we are. Covered a lot of deep topics. Yes, we have. Cracked a lot of corny jokes. Yes, we have. Mm. Yes. Probably ticked a lot of people off at the same time. Yeah. It's good. Good, t- <laughs> good times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, um, how many listeners do you guys have? Um, I don't know if we've ever said that on air. Um, we, I, and Gabe, I don't know if you know this, but we, uh, we had, we've hit the 20,000 download mark. Wow. Um, not too long ago. So that's amazing. So thank you to all our listeners for subscribing, for following, for sharing. Um, yeah, it's been amazing. I never expected it would do what it's done and I never expected it would be what it is. Yeah. Um, but I have so many amazing conversations with people and, um, it's kind of weird and creepy at the same time. I'll be like standing somewhere at like a church event or something and somebody will just start staring at me and then walk up and they're like, you don't know me, but your voice is in my earphones all the time. <laughs> I'm like, That's kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like, it's probably the 20,000 download thing. It's, it's like watching a, like a car accident, you know, it's like <laughs> when you're driving by, it's like, you can't look away. People are just like, I can't, I can't not listen to this, but no, it's either that or. It's our, our respective wives refreshing yes. episode 20,000 times. So I think Virginia takes 10,000 times and Stacy's 10,000 times and they yep. double to 20. So yeah, that's yeah, probably yeah. what it is. That's more I think it. that's exactly what it is. Yeah. My mother-in-law told me the other day that she she was binge listening as she was working on her, her flower beds. Mm. So thanks to our friends and family that just feel sorry for us. I think that's how we got to where we are with yeah. this. So. See, I would like to think that we're more like a rough gruff guy working on his car kind of <laughs> looking. but if your mother-in-law is listening while she's working in her flower bed i guess i'll take that yeah it's not that manly of a podcast yeah I yeah guess not. yeah so beards and bible is a misleading name so. yeah yeah um yeah. speaking of beards we are joined by a guest today who is rocking one of the most epic beards uh mm. that, that is yeah but when you when you turn on the news, and that's kind of the, the essence of this this week's episode, when you turn on the news in any news outlet on YouTube, you know any any news outlet on online, right now it seems like everything dealing with the health crisis that was the pandemic has completely gone, and it's just completely flooded with a new crisis, and that mm-hmm. is uh, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, um, which started uh, last month. I believe it was February twenty fourth. Um, thousands of Russian troops and uh, and you know artillery and tanks, armor personnel carriers, you know by by land, air, and sea, the R- Russian army invaded um, a smaller nation to its west called the Ukraine, which was part of the Soviet Union up until the '90s and the dissolution of the um, Soviet Union happened. But um, we're joined by a guest and, and a friend of mine since, gosh, 2015, I think it was, Alexi, you and I first met. And um, Alexi Basarab um, is a um, 
Ukrainian by birth and uh, immigrated to the United States of America, um, but has an amazing story. He um, grew up in the Soviet Union, so he was in Soviet-occupied Ukraine growing up, and has an amazing testimony. And um, Alexei, I want to say thank you for your willingness to join us today on the Beards and Bible podcast. How are you doing? Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I'm doing good, uh, considering, of course, all the situation. Uh, uh, do my best to hold on. Um, although it's not easy. Yeah, I imagine. And you know, it's such a honor and a privilege to have someone on. It's it's easy to sit and talk about something a crisis like the Russian invasion of the Ukraine from 10,000 miles away and you know this this viewpoint of you know we have I've never been to the Ukraine I don't I don't know the culture I don't know the language I don't know the tensions that are have been experienced there what it's like growing up um so for me to be able to sit here in Dothan Alabama and and to speak to it I think I would be doing it a great disservice and Josh you would agree but to be able to have you on who grew up in the Ukraine you speak Ukrainian you you just recently got back from the Ukraine actually with your family um, and and to be a believer as well, um, I think is is just a neat opportunity to have you on and allow you to speak um, your your vantage point. Um, so I want to I want to go into your history with the Ukraine. Um, I guess what part of Ukraine did you grow up in, and what what was it like growing up in the Ukraine? Uh, I was born and grew up in uh, Zaporizhia. That's how the city name is in Ukrainian or in Russian they would say Zaporozhye. So Zaporozhye is uh, east, kind of southeast of Ukraine. Uh, it's pretty big uh, city, nearly a million residents, very industrial city, beautiful. It's located on a, a Dnipro River. Uh, it's uh, the center of uh, uh, Zaporizhia Cossacks, uh, uh, very brave men who were defending their homeland and their famous uh, uh, island, Kortica, uh, where is this special open air museum, uh, which um, uh, me and my kids visited uh, last year and the year before when for the first time I took them uh, to Ukraine. So of course, uh, living against Soviet Union, um, uh, there were lots of hardships, uh, uh, believers in uh, Yeshua and um, Jesus, because you know, uh, at the time uh, my family uh, were part of a Pentecostal church and the ground Pentecostal church. And um, uh, they were persecuted. And, uh, uh, let's say my grandfather uh, was uh, in Soviet Gulag for his faith. Uh, my father was in Soviet Gulag for his faith. And I got my share too. So, um, uh, because I refused to serve the regime uh, Soviet regime and Soviet army. I, I got prosecuted. Uh, I was uh, incarcerated. I was put uh, in a Soviet mental institution, which is mm. uh, even worse than than Soviet prisons were. Um, uh, I can describe the Soviet prison, and then just double that, uh, and uh, you will have idea. Uh, what is like was like a Soviet mental institution. So, so Alexei, this is this is Josh. I, I want to jump in for just a second. So, you said you were put in a Soviet mental institution. Was that because of your your faith in Christ? Was they saw your faith in Christ as almost a a mental disorder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. They, yeah the people who believed in God were considered mentally impaired or uh, dangerous. Wow. <laughs> for, for Soviet society that re rejected God, that they accepted atheism uh, as, uh, I would say, official religion, although they didn't call like that, but uh, that's pretty much the way I understood it, was that just religion without God. Oh, uh, so, 
for them anyone who who was standing in the way uh, or dangerous people. Wow. So how old were you when you were in the mental institution? I was uh, 19. Wow. And that was near wow. the end of the Soviet Union or was that kind of near the... Yeah, yeah, yeah it was near, but still um, not the very end. Uh, uh, it was... Um, uh, in 19, um, 1985. Okay. So just just before Perestroika, if you know what's that. Sure. So Josh, or I'm sorry, Alexei, um, from what I understand, when you uh, uh, got out of prison and, and the mental institution, the Soviets put you in there, um, uh, and after the fall of the Soviet Union, you began uh, your pastoral ministry in what became uh, the independent state of Ukraine. Is that correct? Uh, well, uh, let's say I started my ministry before the fall of the uh, Soviet Union. Um, uh, as Apostle Paul says, when uh, uh, God uh, uh, decided to reveal his son, I didn't confer with the flesh and blood, but I went. So I received that word from the Lord, and I just took my guitar uh, backpack and uh, hmm. with a sleeping bag, and I just went to to preach on the streets of Soviet Union to uh, Soviet hippies and all kind of inform informal youth, um, traveling. Uh, with them, living with them. Many of them traveled by hitchhiking from city to city, uh, lived in the tents, or if somebody had an apartment, the apartment was packed, like uh, people just sleeping by sitting or just uh, whatever, whatever, I know. And, uh, and, the, and the smoke, they were smoking, of course, cigarettes and marijuana, and uh, the smoke was so heavy in the apartment that you could hang uh, an ax that smoke. <laughs> so, uh, so that's, that's that's what I had to go through and endure just to to spread the gospel uh, among uh, Soviet youth. Mm. Uh, but it was wonderful time. Uh, uh, thank God for that. And and then uh, I received the words from the Lord uh, to to go back to my home city in Ukraine, and it was. Um, it was uh, in the beginning, uh, first part of 1991. So, uh, so, so, so there was uh, kind of like uh, on the verge of kind of everything was breaking at that time. So, uh, pretty much, yeah. So my uh, the church got its start uh, at just a newly uh, independent. Uh, Ukraine, and I was a pastor for seven years uh, uh, there. Uh, and uh, but uh, you know when when I ministered and traveled ministered before the collapse of Soviet Union, uh, of course uh, I drew attention of uh, police and KGB because they still had that old approach to people like me and. Even when I was a pastor already in independent Ukraine, uh, the old uh, uh, Soviet guard, <laughs> let's say, they were still there and they were still uh, having some influence in the government and they were after me as well. Mm. So it wasn't that easy too. I remember I was just walking outside after uh, having service and the car pulls by me and they show me the KGB document and tell me to get in the car and, and talking to me and uh, uh, you know wanting something from me <laughs> so yeah. that's uh, there was a lifelike uh, even 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 in the heat newly independent uh, Ukraine. So, Alexei, did the attitude 
towards Christianity begin to change the the longer that Ukraine was independent and and the further removed Ukraine became from kind of the Soviet years there? Did that attitude towards Christianity change? Was it more open as time went on? Yes, yes, it was uh, opening more. And I know after the um, revolution uh, or uprising in 2014, but which actually started at the end of 2013 uh, against depending on uh, Russia, which of course uh, maddened uh, Putin. Um, but uh, as the new government came, uh, believers they got uh, lots of lots of freedom uh, mm. to do services inside indoors or outdoors a uh, huge contrast with what was going in russia when uh, uh, they kind of screwed uh, screwed the freedom of speech uh, persecution for missionaries uh, hmm. uh, very very tightened uh, what people can do what believers can do in russia hmm. um, so ukraine had uh, much much more freedom yeah and still has in the areas that are not affected by by war of course uh, sure. war zone people they have that uh, you know, restrictions there, what they can do, where they can go, just sure. because of war, but um, not because somebody wants to live their freedom. Yeah. And so, what year did you migrate to the USA? Well, I came to the United States in uh, 2001. Okay. Uh, it, it was in March 2001. I actually came here from Israel. Um, I went to Israel just uh, before fall holidays in, uh, in the year 2000, and uh, I stayed there almost six months when I found out that uh, my brother, one of my closest brothers in California, was dying from cancer, and unfortunately, uh, I wasn't able to come to see him alive. I came for his funeral, and um, and since then I stayed um, in the United States. And uh, in time being, I met my wife. In 2004, we got married the same year, and uh, uh, you know, I was I was an asylum applicant, you know, and I had I had reasons, you know, because of my uh, persecution history. There were still people that uh, would be interested to do me harm, um, mm. but the United States didn't give me asylum. But by the time I had interviews, I already was married to the U.S. citizen, so mm. uh, they just uh, changed my case to family relations. And so I got my permanent resident status, and then later in 2000, uh, the end of 2011, I became a citizen. And so, uh, you know, you met your wife and, and married Svetlana of blessed memory. She yeah, unfortunately you. passed away. Uh, has it been two years now? More than two yeah. years? Yeah, two years in general. Passed away of colon cancer. And yeah, we miss her dearly. Um, yes. And she was she was of Russian descent. Is that correct? Yes, yes. He was, he was born in Russia. She was born in Russia. Um, I was born in Ukraine. We both have like she has uh, uh, Russian and, and uh, uh, Jewish uh, background. I have Ukrainian and Jewish background. Mm. Uh, so, in spite of her being from Russia, me from Ukraine, uh, I guess uh, Jewishness and uh, particularly Messianic Jewishness that uh, really connected us together. Sure, sure. And, and we were part of um, of the messianic uh, movement since we were married. We were together. Mm. What was your initial reaction 
um, and perception of the body of Christ and the church uh, when you came to the USA versus what it looked like for you while you were in the Ukraine or during the Soviet occupation? Well, um, um, I know I know some, uh, and I met some people who who knew uh, more of the reality of what was happening and what we were going through. And uh, even as a pastor, I hosted some some groups from the United States. Uh, and uh, I traveled also to the United States, uh, being a pastor in Ukraine and uh, um, being invited first by United Christian Church and Ministerial Association in Cleveland, Tennessee, where I ministered and where they took me to mass office and presented me a honor and citizen certificate. So, uh, so, 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 so um, as, as the country, the former Soviet Union opened for people to, uh, to go, to go there, of course, uh, you know, people were interested and I was teaching missionaries how to witness on the streets, uh, American missionaries here in the United States. So I definitely saw the interest uh, of people to reach out. Of course, uh, uh, they received from me those valuable lessons because uh, otherwise they would mess up because, you know, they have... Uh, lived here in a comfort, uh, in, in all freedoms, and the uh, mentality was uh, absolutely different than people uh, who lived there pretty much in slavery. Uh, they had their different mentality. So, you know, just to, uh, to, to tell people uh, that, uh, you, you like like many believers here in, in the state that you can just uh, you, you can just ask God and you know and He will give you everything you know all this uh, prosperity and blessing you know when people there uh, were laying down their lives for for Christ and for for, for whom the, it was the honor to to suffer and die for 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 His sake you know. Uh, People were not thinking what they can get from the Lord. People were thinking what, uh, how, how they can uh, serve Him with their whole life. Wow! Uh, you know, and was that Alexei? Was that at times frustrating when you would encounter American Christians that that had that mentality? Was was that at times frustrating for you to see that after what you'd experienced? Yeah, uh, <laughs> because because in. Uh, in 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 this case, um, I would say, uh, you know, uh, don't teach uh, uh, our people that. Mm. Uh, if you wanna, if you are believers and you really have the love of God, just just do something, you know. Right. Help. Okay. Okay. Uh, you God bless you. Share it with uh, with others, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, in, the the good deed speaks uh, volumes uh, more than uh, you know just good talk. Right. Mm. So, Alexi, fast forwarding now to February of this year, uh, you turn on YouTube or you turn on the news, uh, and you see that. Russian, the Russian army has stormed across westward into the Ukrainian nation. Uh, what went through your mind and what emotions did you feel in that moment? Well, uh, just, uh, of course, uh, all the natural emotions, uh, being angry and terrified, you know, and concerned, uh, Worrying about friends and family there, uh, which is still continuous, you know. Mm. And um, 
I, I begin to talk a little bit about um, uh, Ukrainian news on Facebook live, uh, but uh, even there I feel kind of uh, hard to do emotionally. Uh, and I wish I could, um, uh, I could do more. Uh, I feel very anxious. I feel like uh, I want to do something. But yeah. at the same time, uh, um, don't know how much I, really I can do. But I'm still thinking about that. I'm, I'm getting requests. Uh, I have people contacting me. And as we, as we are talking right now, I'm, I'm having uh, messages. I'm messaging with, uh, uh, with uh, Currently, right as we speak, I message with two pastors uh, in Ukraine, in Zaporizhia, city where I'm from, uh, and um, uh, is in Zaporizhia is uh, uh, still relatively calm. Although Russians they are approaching close, very close to Zaporizhia, they right now are repairing Militopol. There's another town in Zaporizhia region. They are repairing the airport so they could use for air bombarders to bombard to start attacking the Parisian. So, so the danger is coming there, of course, but the people of God, uh, especially those who have a car and, uh, and the pastors, they, they drive to villages, they retrieve people from there, bringing them to safety. And, um, uh, you know, uh, I just I just do what I uh, what I can do, you know. Uh, although, uh, like our budget is very low, so we, our family budget, three of us, is like fifteen hundred uh, a month. But uh, we try to send there as uh, as much help as uh, as we can. And uh, uh, of course, uh, people calling for me for asking me if I can come, for example, to Poland because there were so many refugees and uh, my friend Nolan, uh, whom Gabe knows, uh, he's in Uganda right now, but he'll go to Poland after that and he asks me, uh, Alexi, can you come and join me in Poland? Uh, because they told me that unless you speak Russian or Ukrainian, you are useless here. So, uh, <clears throat> And Alexei, how about your family? Do you still have, I'm assuming you still have family over in Ukraine. Are, uh, yes. are they still there yes, in I the have, country? Or yes, I have family in Ukraine. I have family in Kharkov, which was practically destroyed. Beautiful city. Mm. Uh, we visited uh, a few months ago. Uh, and uh, some of them escaped in nearby towns. Uh, so far, um, I don't know if anyone made it to the West, but um, I still have family in the Parisian city, and uh, uh, unfortunately, I have still some family. My aunt and my cousin, his family, in Pologi town, which is in the Parisian region, uh, and that town is now occupied. There is no mm -hmm. connection with them. What I heard from the uh, news, or I read on the local news there, uh, that people in that town, it's still cold there, you know? They don't have heat, they don't have electricity, they uh, they don't have communication, uh, cell phones doesn't work. And plus, you know, occupy, uh, occupants, they, you know, those aggressors, they take, they, they take uh, phones or SIM cards from people so they could not communicate mm. you know, with outside. They installed wow. the police uh, uh, system in the towns that they occupy. Uh, so they divide towns in the zones and don't let people cross those zones. So it's, it's terrible. I have many reasons to worry about uh, my direct family safety. Uh, yeah. over there, especially in the occupied town. Wow. Yeah, that's tragic. Um, so as you're watching the news, obviously you're flooded with all kinds of different emotions and anger and concern. And 
I mean, can you speak, uh, you know, as, as Ukrainian and someone much closer to their knowledge of the situation than I am, um, can you speak to the motivation of the Russian army and, and Putin in particular, why they want this part of Ukraine or, or if they want all of Ukraine? Uh, yeah, as, uh, as Putin, he said uh, openly, the, he wants to then denazify or whatever, how you can describe it. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Uh, Ukraine, so, which is to erase uh, Ukraine as a, a nation, as nationality. So there will not be a separate Ukrainian uh, nationality or nation, uh, which is a genocide, uh, obviously. Uh, I don't know how the free world sees that, but that's the way I see. Uh, and uh, uh, he, he put, uh, for example, Putin says like, uh, the, um, uh, Ukraine is what is called Ukraine now, but that's just part of Russia historically. Well, let me tell you the real history, which he perverts. The real history is that uh, uh, first of all, before Russia existed, there was a Kiev Rus. That's what it was called, Kiev Rus. And of course, uh, Russians, they claim that uh, Rus means the same like Ruski or Russian, uh, but, uh, but Kiev Rus was an independent kingdom. And uh, then uh, uh, kings uh, uh, appeared, uh, you know, that kind of like uh, sprang out from that and they took the other lands and uh, that's how Moscow rules uh, came to being afterwards in Novgorod uh, uh, kingdom and so on. So, uh, so, so definitely Kiev rules was, uh, was, was like mother uh, to uh, all others, not the opposite. Mm. So, uh, and of course, uh, for, Although Putin he is lying, but he knows well that without Kiev, without Kiev Rus, uh, he doesn't have the real, uh, real Rus, real kingdom in his hands. So, mm. so I think that uh, he has a, a too big uh, ambitions. So, so Alexei, when when we hear all this stuff on the news, so so Alexei, uh, when we hear all this stuff on the news about you know Vladimir Putin talking about denazifying Ukraine, why is there? I'm just curious, just as a you know an American, it doesn't seem like there is Nazi friendly sentiment in Ukraine. Why is this kind of rhetoric being used as a justification for an invasion? Is there any kind of, you know, Nazi sentiments happening in Ukraine? I mean, why, why is that used as a justification? Well, uh, so far I see uh, uh, what uh, Russia is doing is acting like Nazis, not the opposite. Ukraine was mm -hmm. peacefully living, not, uh, not disturbing, a, you know, uh, anyone including uh, Russia and uh, so you know uh, let me tell you this uh, Putin uh, he was and still is the high-ranking KGB officer mm -hmm. and um, KGB officers they were trained in all kind of uh, mind control and witchcraft uh, and uh, so so his actions they are definitely uh, demonic in uh, nature because um, uh, another thing about KGB people they know 
there are no former KGB officers. They mm. can pretend to be like, but they never betray their oath to the Soviet Union. So mm. although Soviet Union as an entity doesn't exist physically, for them it still exists spiritually, and they still keep their oath to Soviet Union. And that might be another uh, uh, thing that motivates uh, him. Uh, and um, KGB is famous for uh, for creating uh, all kind of uh, narratives and uh, uh, you know lies and uh, using that with media <clears throat> to to manipulate to brainwash uh, people and even nations. As we so, see. so it seems like just from yes, from uh, what you're saying is yeah. So it seems like you know like when you were um, imprisoned back during the Soviet Union, they used the cover of mental insanity almost as a as a lie against you because of your faith in Jesus. And so it seems like those same kind of lies and those same kind of uh, manipulations are happening now to justify Russia coming in. Does Does Russia really want kind of a return of the Soviet Union? Is that kind of the end game? They want to reunite all these former Soviet states into a renewed Soviet Union? Is that kind of what you see kind of the end game being? Well, uh, looking at the statistics, um, I wouldn't say whole Russia. Uh, it's about 65% uh, of people of Russia, uh, the latest, what I heard, that they support Putin and what he's doing. It's a big wow. number, 65%. Yeah. But there's still 35% uh, who are... Um, either indifferent, but many of them oppose, uh, as we can see uh, that what's happening in Russia, there are protests in different cities, people get arrested for protesting this uh, war. So definitely, I wouldn't say about whole Russia, but uh, majority, yes, uh, unfortunately, majority of Russian people, they are brainwashed uh, to the point that they uh, support uh, uh, Putin, in, unfortunately, including uh, many believers, churches, pastors. Uh, wow. And just very sad, very sad. <clears throat> yeah, that is. That's that's hard as an American to, to hear because it seems like almost everywhere we look in our news outlets, and Gabe, you could probably speak to this, it seems like what we're seeing is it seems like most of the world is standing with Ukraine against Putin and against Russia. And it seems like most of what we're seeing is like the entire world is saying, this is a terrible, terrible thing. And so to hear that somewhere in the neighborhood of 65% of Russians, probably because of state media and, and messages that they're receiving, see this as a positive thing. That's, that's hard. I don't, Gabe, what do you think about that? I mean, that, it seems like it's, yeah, I think it, it, it like you hit that nail on the head. I think where you get your information from is going to educate your opinion and inform your opinion on a particular situation. Um, and right now, we're I think we're seeing the first modern war, frontal war, that is interwoven with algorithmic driven social media yeah. and state media on top of that. So, uh, yeah. You know, as as government entities are able to um, manipulate the data and the information that people see through their devices and through their screens, um, you know, he, like I said a couple episodes again, or maybe last episode, he who controls the information controls the people. And I think we're seeing that um, yeah, on a state level. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's very much going on here in the United States as well, but... Um, you know, it's, it's hard for me to look at this very objectively because, you know, I see the same, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong in this, but the same media outlets that were feeding me information that I knew was blatantly untrue or they were committing sins of omission uh, just a year and a half or two years ago, I'm now holding them at arm's length and 
wondering what is real, what's unreal, what's true, what's false. And that's why I felt like it was so good and important to have Alexi share his yeah. insight, even though he's now residing in the US, he has constant contact with people back in the Ukraine so that we can have a window into what is going on on the ground in the Ukraine. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so. Hey, hey Alexia, I, I do have a question. Um, it seems like everybody in the West is very enamored with Zelensky, uh, the president of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, can you speak to him and his character? I mean, what, what is, what is the uh, feeling of the Ukrainian people towards him? And, and what do you think about him? And how do you think he's doing as a leader right now? Uh, well, I think he's doing great uh, as leader right now. Uh, and I think uh, through all this uh, situation, he matured because uh, uh, I didn't think uh, uh, about him before as a, as a really mature uh, leader. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, some people uh, were not sure about uh, him too, you know, saying, okay, he's just... Uh, uh, actor, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, he, he used to be an actor, a comedian, actor, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and, well, and that's surprising to a lot of people, great, great leaders who were actors like uh, Ronald Reagan, yeah, you know, so uh, <laughs> that 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 uh, is not uh, a problem taking, yeah, it's not a problem, it's not uh. uh taking anything good from him so um uh, uh i know he still uh, he, he still needs uh, uh to have a close relationship with the lord but uh even me listening to his uh, him speaking on tv and he of course he mentions god and prayer so to have even such words in his lexicon it's uh, <laughs> it's encouraging you know yeah but, uh, wow it's really, it's really shows that uh, he understands that uh, he can you know, do only so much, and that uh, he needs also to trust uh, in God. And uh, I just pray for him, you know. Uh, yeah. The word of God says, tells us to pray for for our leaders, for leaders in this world, that. Uh, especially in this situation it's uh, it's very important to pray for him absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely and it was it was very surprising to me so of course you know when when all the news broke about the invasion and you know he was making his addresses to the to the russian people and you know he was speaking you know very informally and casually i thought man this this guy is a great communicator i didn't know his backstory and when I started doing some research on him, finding out that he was a comedian, he had his own TV show, and he actually had a sitcom in Ukraine about a teacher that was not a politician that becomes the president of Ukraine. <laughs> and then he becomes the president of Ukraine in real life, almost like yeah. the TV show. That was so surprising to me. I didn't know anything about that. Um, yeah, so it's incredible. Yeah. So, Alexi, before I, I get your viewpoint and, and your opinion on what we should do, how we should view this invasion and what we can do to help, um, would you mind telling everyone a little bit about your ministry and how they can get more information if they want to send any kind of financial support to you and your family and what you guys do? Um, uh, yeah, uh, thank you for asking that because uh, even some people, uh, they contact me. Uh, and asking me about that, uh, uh, and uh, well, so far I didn't receive any financial support. As I said, I just sent what uh, what I can tip off uh, of uh, my little budget. Uh, but I hope uh, uh, some other people will uh, shift from just words and prayers uh, to to the action and. Um, uh, you know, uh, but uh, don't misunderstand me. The prayers are very important, and um, my friends uh, from Ukraine, believers, they are so thankful. They 
told me, I told them that I will be talking with you and it's only said to say thank you for, for all the prayers that are spoken uh, for them. But, uh, but the real, real help is, is very important. Uh, I, I know at least couple friends, uh, that, uh, just, just went, uh, or going actually one person, uh, plans to go today maybe on it on, on her way as we speak to poland uh, to serve there as a volunteer for ukrainian uh, refugees so if somebody can go personally and do something to help that's that it would be great if not uh, i can receive uh, uh, donations uh, personally um, and uh, uh, it's just a matter of trust because, uh, uh, you know, if you don't trust me that you think I'll keep this money for myself, don't send anything, okay? <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you trust me that I'll, I'll do what I say and I will do 100%, okay, you can help um, send it uh, to... Uh, uh, either through Cash App or, or PayPal, and then, uh, and then I will forward it uh, uh, to those in need. Um, as I said, to those pastors who who help uh, save save people from uh, endangered uh, territories. Uh, I I know some people who already made it to Poland. But they have a need too. Those refugees, mm. they have a need too. So uh, I can forward your help to help them. And uh, I also uh, I'm getting calls uh, for for me to go there and help uh, with my knowledge of Russian, Ukrainian, and English languages. Uh, I could do something, but uh, that includes lots of logistics. Uh, uh, I wish I could go maybe with uh, uh, all all things uh, something can be done you know and mm -hmm. that way I would I would be glad to go if, if such possibility becomes a reality as well but it would also uh, if that becomes possible it would also uh, need uh, financial help for traveling for being there so at this point i don't know yet but at least i can send something uh, yeah. uh some financial support to, to uh, ukraine and they would use it whatever is needed to buy some supplies to to buy a gas just to fill the car to help people escape yeah so uh, uh there are some there are many other things that uh, might be needed i was thinking like for example how it would be possible to send uh, like portable solar batteries because when people uh, sit uh, without electricity for days, they cannot charge their phones, they cannot communicate, you know. Mm, yeah. uh, there's, there's lots of things in my mind and I'm constantly thinking, what can I do? What, how, uh, what more can I do to, uh, uh, to, to help, you know, and... Uh, um, Gabe, you, you were asking me also, you know, kind of like about uh, uh, to say what you can do from uh, from the biblical standpoint. And um, uh, I would say, um, you know, like uh, Ukrainian uh, uh, people and Ukrainian president call, calls for, for the for the West to um, to close the sky over Ukraine. Mm -hmm. You know, and and so far nobody's uh, willing to do that. You know, uh, um, because I think Putin threatens with using like nuclear power. Mm -hmm. Well, well, Putin, uh, Putin can use it uh, anyways, even if people don't help Ukraine. Don't think that if you if you withhold the help, uh, that um, he will withhold his uh, actions. Don't don't trust him for doing that or not doing that. Um, I have one scripture that uh, really came uh, to me this morning, and it's from Proverbs 24, verses 11 and 12. It says in the complete Jewish Bible, Yes, rescue those 
being dragged off to death. Won't you save those about to be killed? If you say we knew nothing about it, won't he who weighs hearts discern it? Yes, he who guards you will know it and repay each one as his deeds deserve. So right yeah. now when Ukrainian people, innocent people are dragged off to death, those about to be killed, it takes a risk and it takes courage to help to rescue. Closed skies over Ukraine would save lots of lots of innocent mm. lives. Mm. And instead of having courage, the Western world is cowardly uh, uh, backing off. So that's very disappointing, of course, mm. uh, uh, because. Uh, uh, we call ourselves like a Christian nation, you know, but uh, uh, Christ would risk his life and he risked his life to save, he laid his life to save uh, uh, people, you know, and we need to take example from him, follow his example and uh, lay, our, lay our lives to save, save others as well. Absolutely. So that's, that's a really, really, <clears throat> that's a really good word. I think it's, it's really easy for us as, as Americans or, you know, others maybe living in nations where this isn't going on to see that on the news. And it just kind of turns into, um, you know, one more piece of media to consume without remembering you know, these are actual human beings made in the image and likeness of God. These are, these are fathers and mothers and children. And, and that's a good word from the book of Proverbs that, we are called to be people of action to help. And so um, I want to encourage anybody, if you're listening to this and, and God has put it on your heart to help and you, you want to know how you can support Alexi and, and his ministry and the doors that God's opening for him to support people in Ukraine and, and also refugees, you can send us an email or a uh, Facebook message and we'll, we'll get you in touch with, with what that means. Um, Alexi, how can we pray for, for you specifically in, in the days ahead? Well, just um, just pray for for a piece of God to to fill my heart and mind and to, uh, to be focused on the, um, spreading the truth about this situation and uh, and get the means. Uh, to help, to help my family and friends uh, who are decided to stay uh, or who decided to evacuate, um, you know, um, that's uh, uh, what God tells to all of us. There's no greater love mm. than if somebody lays his life or, or his friends for for their loved ones yeah um, so uh, i i just want to live live that love not just uh, talk that love absolutely um, alexa you have a, a long legacy of showing kindness and love uh to strangers and to prisoners and widows and orphans and disabled here in the states but also in ukraine um and you know something you didn't brag about which i'll brag about uh, for you is that you're very active in the prison system and visiting mm. um, men and strengthening them in their faith leading them to the lord in prisons uh, in the state of florida and uh, your your ministry website is um, solmi.org it stands for stream of life ministries international so check yes. them out solmi.org and this is a rare opportunity where you can give to a ministry and you know that you know alexi has connections with pastors and, and people in the ukraine who need to put fuel in their cars they need to put blankets over people who are riding in the back seats and fleeing from the shelling of, of russian artillery um you know, food in people's stomachs 
water, uh, ways that they can charge their cell phones so that they can reach family and, and be in touch with them and let them know that they're alive. Um, this is a great opportunity um, to give directly to these innocent men, women, and children, and thus fulfilling Matthew 25. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger yes. and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. And I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. So Alexi, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us here on the, the Beers and Bible podcast. And please check out his his ministry and and reach out to Alexi, send him your prayers, consider sending him any financial support that you would like to be sent over to the Ukraine. Um, and, you know, we don't know what the future holds regarding our involvement as the United States of America in this conflict. But more than anything, we just pray for peace and Amen. we pray for the for his kingdom to come soon and in our days so that we can know yeah. justice and we can have a just king. Um, Alexi, I want to put you on the spot here and ask you if you would pray for your home country in your native language and in Ukraine and then maybe maybe uh, give us an approximate translation at the conclusion <laughs> of that. Okay, yeah, and uh, before I pray, uh, uh, I thank you for inviting me to your show uh, for this interview. Uh, I'm really honored to speak on behalf of Ukraine and Ukrainian people. And yes, I will pray for people and nation of Ukraine in uh, uh, Ukrainian language. Дорогий Небесний Батько, я дякую тебе за цю можливість говорити за Україну. Я молю тебе, Отче, щоб ти зараз, прямо зараз, врятував Україну. Людей України, які зараз під загрозою винищування, я благаю тебе, Господь, щоб ти Спостер над ними свій захист, тримав їх у своїх руках. Нехай сонце твоєї правди зійде над Україною, засяє і принесе радість і знищить ворогів України, як роса зникає на сонці, як українці співають у своєму гімні України. Отче Небесний, хай Твоє ім'я прославиться, хай Твоя сила, спасаюча сила, буде видна для усього світу. Тому що Ти великий і любящий Бог. І, Боже, я благаю Тебе, положи на серця людям, які слухають мене зараз, щоб вони відкрили свої серця і всі свої можливості, щоб допомогти людям України. Wow, what a powerful uh, testimony of faithfulness to the Lord in spite of a lot of challenges. Uh, we're grateful for faithful men of God like Alexi and um, definitely remembering him and keeping him in prayer and his family in prayer during uh, these times. Um, unfortunately, as we were recording uh, and praying along with Alexi, we lost power uh, in one of our locations we're recording at, so we were not able to get his English translation of his prayer in Ukrainian. So if you speak Ukrainian, you know exactly what he said. But for the rest of us, um, he was crying out to God for God's mercy and God's intervention in that situation. So I want to encourage you all to be praying for Alexi and his ministry. Um, we will drop a link to his ministry um, as we post this link, but um, if you feel led to contribute in any way uh, to the work that God's doing, uh, please uh, feel free to, to give generously. There are things we can be doing as believers uh, related to this uh, conflict and crisis, not just praying, but also opening our hearts and our homes to uh, our brothers and sisters as, as we support them financially, if uh, God gives us the ability to do so. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, be praying for Ukraine. 
be praying for the situation there. There is one thing that Alexi did uh, ask that we mention. Um, he said um, this, and we weren't able to record his, his comments with this, but he said there has been uh, quite a bit of people here in the U.S. that have um, fallen for some of the uh, conspiracy theories related to um, Vladimir Putin uh, doing um, good things in invading Ukraine because Ukraine is corrupt. And so for whatever reason, that it was some sort of a justifiable um, invasion for that. And he said, please don't fall for that. That's simply a, a propaganda uh, piece that's been unfortunately um, picked up and perpetuated by, by some um, probably as a result of uh, just just media interference by by Russia state media. So he just asked for any Americans to be discerning of what news sources you're taking in related to this, and uh, at the time, um, just to just to be keeping this nation in, in your prayers and the people of Ukraine in your prayers as well. So um, thank you guys all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.